Another unique voice today. We get Stan Henry. He's uh, 33 years working for us. We're talking about citizens. He's been a police officer, a mayor, and everything in between. We're going to talk a lot about uh, white flight. What is that? As well as where he's from and uh, race relations. we got a lot to cover today. Stick with us. Everything is fueled from me wanting to be a better person on Earth. It's time to do your part. I don't want you to dream. I want you to do it. Tap into the conversation. Check one, two. As we cover the latest issues affecting our communities and the world. It is absolutely vital that the truth comes out. Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from firsthand experiences. Is your mind truly free or is it caged? This is Do Your Part with Brian Gallo. Welcome back, everybody, to Do Your Part. You know who I am. I am your host, Brian Gallo. And today, another unique, interesting perspective and voice. We are lucky enough to talk to Stan Henry. Uh, He's got a serious, uh, what do you want to call it, resume or uh, just a long list of things that you've uh, conquered in your career. How are you doing? Uh, Doing well. Doing well. I haven't conquered. I've had the pleasure of having some diversity in my career. So. I like to, well, as we go through one, two, three, four, five, I have six titles that you've earned in just 33 years. I would imagine to get to each level, there's, you know, maybe conquer is the wrong word. Let me jump ahead of you though. Why are you here today? I always um, ask my guests. Just to, uh, to uh, give some insight on uh, maybe some different perspectives uh, on how the world is handled, being handled today. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always want to make sure that uh, uh, we leave for those that are going to take over from where we've been, uh, hopefully uh, some wisdom to where they can make it a better place for tomorrow. Have you ever seen so many people who are not uh, with that same ideology, who are not looking to leave things easier for the next generation or leave wisdom, right? Because there's a lot of groups and people and thought processes well, that don't I, I align think with what, that. I think what comes to play a lot is um, uh, individual agendas or agendas by certain groups of people that mm-hmm. want to push that agenda versus how do we make things better. And we talked about this before as far as individual groups and then just kind of a universal thought. As far as individual groups, I mean, it's always been that way, but is it more now than it's ever been? Well, I, I, think, I think what has, the, has made it more prevalent is the media is, uh, you know, today you get everything instantly on your phone, on your iPad, you know, on your computer, mm-hmm. the TV, it's... it's it's all instant, and so um, where in the past, you know, uh, uh, something would happen, and it would take 24 hours or longer for the paper to, uh, to, you know, or the newscast to mm-hmm. to get it, play it, and then people would be able to respond to it. So the the instantness of things, and mm-hmm. which has led to instant gratification, yeah, uh, which has led a lot to, of instance, yeah, to you know that. You know, you get a text message and you feel compelled to instantly drop whatever you're doing and, and respond back to that person. Yeah. You know? It's an interesting um, world we live know, in. We used to have, uh, you know, um, uh, missed phone call, you know, pieces of paper that you, would <laughs> that you might get to two days from, from now. <laughs> Today, it's, you know, like I said, it's in a, 
if somebody doesn't, uh, if you don't respond instantly, then they get upset with they're, you. They're crushed. I remember as a kid losing, uh, like, notes. Like, somebody called for my mom, and I would make the note. You know, Janice called at 1.30, and I'd lose it. And then three days later, I'd get my ass chewed out, you know. And definitely times have changed. And I think you're right. And I think that a lot of people, I met a woman who she unplugs every Sunday. I don't know if I could do that, but but God bless her for, for doing that because it's it's what we're feeding ourselves. Now, let me do this because... I know who you are, but the, a lot of the listeners don't. So let's talk a bit about your background as far as professionally, what you've done for work. Okay. So um, I uh, I've, uh, was a police officer, uh, and I say that as that's a general term. Uh, I held many different positions in the, within a police department for 33 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, started out, obviously, as a police officer working patrol and working the streets. And I, uh, that was in Orange County. I uh, worked for two uh, agencies in Orange County as, as a patrol officer and detective, and then uh, eventually as a sergeant in patrol, mm-hmm. uh, with a sergeant as a shift uh, supervisor. And then uh, had uh, the privilege of um, being asked to um, come to Cathedral City uh, when it uh, was creating its new police department. The mm-hmm. city of Cathedral City uh, incorporated in 1982. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, they um, uh, the citizens there decided they wanted to have their own city. I mean, it was a, um, a geographical location known as Cathedral City. Like Thousand Palms is is not a city, but everybody knows Thousand Palms. They almost consider it a city. Bermuda Dunes is mm-hmm. not a city, you know, but people kind of seem like it is. What do they call it? Unincorporated. It's an unincorporated area. Yeah. Uh, and Cathedral City was that up until 1982. They actually had a. Uh, a vote uh, of the residents at that time and decided that they wanted to uh, become a city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they uh, they did that. And then uh, from 82 to 84, they decided they didn't want to have a contract police department. They wanted to have their own police department. And so, uh, again, they went out to the voters and and uh, voted and had um, uh, decided to, to have their own police department. So. The, the chief that I was working for at the time in Orange County um, had heard about Cathedral City, had heard about uh, that, and uh, applied to be the chief of police. Mm. And actually, had the, he got the, the privilege of being accepted and, and uh, appointed chief of police. And so he needed to have people to help him start a police department. And, and you were you were what what the first up? Well, I, I was a sergeant working for him in patrol, and, uh-huh. and uh, had been working there about seven years. And and he had uh, called me in his office and uh, said, "Hey, um, I'm starting to you know I'm going to go to Cathedral City and start a brand new police department. Do you want to come help me?" And my first thought was, "Is where's Cathedral City?" Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I know there which, are a lot of churches there, <laughs> which is everybody's first thing. I think yeah, you know you yeah. tell them. And he goes next to Palm Springs, which oh. is again everybody. Actually, except for the new, the new um, uh, generation now, you wouldn't say next to Palm Springs. You'd say Coachella. Co- totally, <laughs> you know, right? Because that's that's what they they recognize. And thanks stuff. to the festival. Yeah, yeah. thanks to the festival. Uh, so he said next to Palm Springs, and I said, oh, Palm Springs College Spring Break. Yeah, I'll go. Oh God, um, boobs and yeah, beers. No. <laughs> But uh, I'd actually come out here with my family vacationing at times and stuff when you know in the '70s and that. So uh, it was a it was an opportunity. Uh, I had um, originally when I said yes, it was to look figured it looked good on a police on a resume. Mm-hmm. 
helping start a brand new police department. Uh, I was always, I'd grown up by the beach and all that. So the goal was to get back to the beach. Where'd you grow up? uh, Orange County in uh, Los Alamitos. Okay, um, because we're going to get to that in a minute. All right, go on. Long Beach. uh, I'll kind of, you know, went through all those different areas and stuff. And I said, I, uh, you know, I was a beach bum, never owned a pair of shoes and Mm -hmm. Uh, all that stuff. I can't picture you that way, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I actually had long hair. Uh, <laughs> can't picture that either. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, neither, can, neither can my kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's pictures to prove it, though. Listeners, uh, viewers, if you're lucky, we'll get we'll track down a picture for you. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So came out here in, uh, in March of 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was my, uh, the chief, uh, myself and one other guy, he and I were sergeants together mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, the chief asked him if he wanted to do the same thing. So the three of us came out here, we sat at a desk similar to this in a room that had nothing at the, uh, the original city hall, cathedral city and said, how do we start a police department? Uh, really? Yeah. That was kind of, we had a, talk about a grassroots it experience. Was, it was a great experience. Wow. Uh, we had a, um, this uh, makes more sense as to where I know you to be when I yeah, met you as mayor. Yeah. This is all the building blocks going. So we uh, we sat and I said sat in a room. We had a, a a whiteboard and just started writing down on the board everything that we needed to do mm-hmm. and how we were going to delegate the different uh, responsibilities mm-hmm. um, between the three of us. Uh, obviously, the chief of police handled all the political things and handled going out and meeting people in the public and all that kind of stuff. And he did that. And then um, the other uh, the other gentleman that came out with me or with us um, was more astute into policies and procedures and, you know, kind of all of those type of things and mm-hmm. really, really good at, at, at that stuff. And so he started handling all the logistics for setting the – everything up getting licenses for radios getting all you know like i said writing policies and procedures doing doing all that i actually let me let me interrupt you real sure. quick i would have assumed that there would have been some sort of uh, kit that you would have been handed over from the government or from the state uh of some sort of here's how all of the cities operate and this is what you need to do nope nothing like no, that. no we we actually we plagiarized a whole lot of stuff wow uh, you're we, not getting in trouble by admitting that now <laughs> no okay <laughs> i mean we took um uh, you know, we took obviously the policy and procedures we had at, at the, the department we were at uh-huh. in Orange County. Uh, in right. Orange County, we uh, actually got one from uh, Palm Springs. Okay, Palm Springs is very helpful in, in giving us some information. The state had some stuff. You know, we kind of took those things. And, Smart, because that's all you yeah, could do. You know, uh, Post, which is police officer standard and training, had some 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 things that they you know that needed and we looked at the government code and you know california government code and And we're going to be all over the place with this conversation so i ask you to be patient with me right now let me ask you this looking at you working off this whiteboard and kind of creating your own police department and then looking at today would you have made would there be different changes if you had this opportunity today uh would it be pretty much the same probably the the process would probably be pretty much the same Uh Um, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta sit there and there's a process you kind of got to go through. And I, I'm getting to the point is I had the best job. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, okay, we need you to handle, um, the overseeing the building of the, the department. Uh, uh, they basically said, here's a, 
uh, I used the term a million dollars. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was actually a million dollars or something, but we need radios, we need cars, we need guns, we need badges, we need, you know, all the stuff. Wow. You got to go shopping. I got to go shopping. <laughs> like I said, it was like putting a kid in a candy store, man. Yeah. You know, so um, uh, I, you know, I, I had to deal with all of that type of stuff, all the logistics of getting the radios, making sure the police department construction was being done. We took over a, um, we were in an industrial area mm-hmm. on Perez Road. There was a, a the shell there. So one night, uh, Bob and I, who was the other guy that came out with me, um, we sat down over uh, chips and beer and on a, ma- on a napkin. Mm-hmm drew out kind of a design of what we wanted the police department to look like, you know, front lobby area, you know, you know, we knew we needed detectives. We knew we needed, you know, these different things, locker rooms, Mm -hmm. jail. Um, so we did that, you know, so then, um, I said, and then, and then I actually drove a flat, flatbed pickup truck to Ventura. Uh, the County of Ventura had built a new jail and they were getting ready to destroy their old jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the chief that, uh, that I worked for, he had actually, uh, his career had started in, in Ventura. So he had some contacts there and he called up a friend of his. And so I met, a, I had talked to our contractor here and said, here's, you know, what, what do we need for jail bars? Mm-hmm. And um, so he gave me some dimensions. I drove a flatbed truck up to Ventura, met a welder up there. We went in uh, to the jail that was vacated and said, okay, we need bars, we need doors, we need this, we need mm-hmm. that. We cut them all out, loaded them on the fat, flatbed pickup truck, and drove them back. Which is a very big uh, flatbed, I imagine. <laughs> this is all still part of the shopping experience. It was also part of the shopping experience. Yeah. What know? led you to the p- police department in the first place? As a, as a kid, were you like, I want to be a cop when I grow up? Well, yeah. I, uh, uh, I was born in Bakersfield, California. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then went to the beach. And then went to the beach. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Uh, and uh, my dad, my mom and dad got divorced when I was young, and my dad still lived in Bakersfield. And I would go visit on the weekends. I'd go visit on holidays, and I'd go visit, you know, for a couple of months in the summertime. And uh, when I was about 12 years old, uh, I went to go visit for the summer, and my dad, who had always wanted to be a police officer, uh, but because he got married young, had kids young and stuff, had a job working for the telephone company, and just kind of, Stability-wise, had you know stayed with that, mm-hmm. so he became a, uh, a reserve deputy sheriff for Kern County Sheriff's mm. uh, volunteer position. You know, volunteered his time and, and that, and uh, went to go visit. And he was all excited about you know, he was now being able to go out on patrol and all this stuff, and took me on a ride along. And I went on a ride along, and at 12 years old, I said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, this is what I want to do." Uh, so was, you knew since 12 years old. I was hooked on the adrenaline, man. Wow. Uh, and seeing that that's something that made your dad happy, probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it. it did. It was. I mean, yeah. uh, and we, you know, we, there were some ups and downs through the through the process, but uh-huh. yeah, it, uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, like I said, it, uh, I tell, I teach now at the college, uh, College of the Desert, and mm-hmm. in the criminal justice program, and I tell kids there as they are going through trying to become police officers, some of them, and some other positions and stuff. But I told him, I said, hey, the, the hardest part for me was getting from 12 to 21, uh, which is, a, again, a lot of the, I think, issues that the kids today are having to deal with. And I say that because it, it is the exposure to peer pressure, 
exposure to the different things out there that are that are available to you drugs mm -hmm. alcohol all this kind of stuff that's there and how do you keep yourself in a position to where you have the ability to be you know to be hired mm -hmm. uh you know because we have some we you know in the police department there are some standards that that have to be met mm -hmm. you know we don't want to hire thieves mm -hmm. we don't want to Hire drug, drug addicts. Use, right. you know, we don't want to hire alcoholics. And, you know, what I'm hearing like is that. that from 12 to 21, you knowing where you where your focus lied and what you wanted to do with your life kept you on the straight and narrow. It it, uh, it was a challenge to stay on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Yes, because you had all these other influences. So you never inhaled. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just I, sorry, squeezing some comedy there. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because my kids bug me every day. Say, oh, you've never smoked. And I said, no, I haven't. No, I can't. Don't believe me. Wow. Don't believe me. You've never, a cigarette, weed? No, 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 no. I've smoked cigarettes, yes. Uh, and you smoke cigar. You still use? Uh, no, I don't smoke cigars anymore. But you have smoked cigarettes. I, I, I used to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Julie's back there laughing. All right. I used to smoke cigarettes, but I've never smoked uh, marijuana. The devil's lettuce. Yeah. You know, the reefer madness. Yeah. All right, go on. Which, yeah, which is all of those things. I have to say, I mean, I, I had you here once before, and we're going to have you back again, and you're just such a wealth of knowledge, and you have such an interesting story. I keep interrupting you, but I'm just really glad you're here. So continue, and then segue into kind of what it was like growing up at the beach and these pressures and how you, you know, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I you know, I uh, um, was in, I think probably the, the thing that kept me... Um, the most out of trouble was probably sports. Mm -hmm. You know, I was involved in sports and you know, uh, growing up and everything, and that 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 always helps keep you you know um, grounded a little bit, kept yeah. me focused. Yeah, you know, um, it occupied you know the majority of the school year and and a lot of the summers. You know, but it's still you know, I, like I said, I was we grew up a, a mile from the beach you know i was a surfing surfer kid you mm -hmm. know and was it diverse uh, where you grew up you know not not necessarily no mm -hmm. it was uh, it was middle class you know predominantly white mm -hmm. um you know there were you know there were some um you know it wasn't uh, probably not diverse mm -hmm. i mean you know when you look at it today you know it was you know a suburb mm -hmm. um you know orange county was you know you know at the Probably in the the '60s and '70s, you had the white flight out of L.A. to Orange County. Orange County was, you know, growing at the time and all that stuff. And the white flight—I've never heard that. You've never heard that term? No, I'm writing it down. Oh, what is that? That's. Uh, is it meaning like, oh, it's exactly what it sounds like? It's white people leaving the city to go to the suburbs. Yeah, white go. flight. Yeah. Oh wow, self-explanatory. I've never heard that. Yeah. Okay. That was, you know, I, I said I necessarily was not involved in that, but I mean, I was too young. Yeah. But you know, that, I'm sure that's, you know, how some of the, a lot of the suburbs got established and mm -hmm. stuff like that, as mm -hmm. they left the inner cities and they left those things and went to the suburbs. And mm -hmm. So, you know, was it was it diverse? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I mean, did we? You know, we had. You know, uh, black kids. We had you know Hispanics. You know, uh, you know mm -hmm. all of those things. Never really thought about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, uh, you know was, he was either a friend or he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter what you know what what his race was or anything like that. Was, As you moved through the force, did you find that the force began began to diversify a little bit? You know, um, yeah. And and again, I, I, I one of the the classes I teach at College of the Desert are, are, are taught was uh, multicultural issues and law enforcement. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. So, wow, I didn't know this. Uh, I knew you taught, but I didn't. Yeah. I don't remember you saying that. Go ahead. So, 
in, in that class, actually, it's, it's one of the, the, I think it's one of the best classes because it, it gives um, the students, the kids that want to become police officers, want to get into law enforcement, and, and not just law enforcement, want to be the attorneys, mm-hmm. whatever it is that they, you know, that they want to be, public defenders, whatever that. It gives them a little bit of an understanding of why we have some of the issues we have today with certain races mm-hmm. based off of history. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I never had that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, growing up. Um, now I did, you know, I did work in a, in a, in a city in Orange County that was predominantly Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there were some conflicts and things like that, but, um, you know, it, um, Oh, I kind of lost my thought. That's okay, because because I'm gonna. Uh, uh, why do we? Let's talk about some of those issues that you're referring to, and um, a how they came about, and b are are we seeing changes, right? Because I know like a lot of the the argument is um, as far as like let's use the hood for instance, right? Um, as far as black demographic is concerned, a lot of people visibly say that this is kind of how things have gerrymandering or redlining. This is how things have always been set up to oppress black people. What do you see from your perspective? And only answer things that you feel comfortable with. But do you see that to be true? You know, I... I, I it's a loaded question. Yeah, it way. is. It is a very loaded I think that um, that they're in law enforcement um, and, in, and in society, I think that, that we have um, opened our eyes to, to racial discrimination mm-hmm. and, I, and I'll give you a, a, a perfect example which I never set well with me and I use this with my kids and I say my kids the kids in college mm-hmm. and stuff and I said it was a you know um, uh, I worked in a city that was like I said predominantly Hispanic and we had um, uh, strawberry fields and, and stuff that were around us it was kind of an agriculture there were some agricultural areas and and stuff this is in the 70s when Orange County was still not populated like developing, it is today. Right. Yeah, it was still developing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Disneyland all the way around Disneyland was all all strawberry fields, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. So wow, that's a weird um, visual. Guy. I know it is. <laughs> there's no Radisson. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's it. I remember distinctly when when we were slow and on day, especially on day shift, which I hated to work day shift and stuff. But when we were slow and I had to work day shift, the sergeant would say. Go to the strawberry fields and get them. Uh, go and arrest the uh, undocumented workers for you know immigration violations. And and it, and to me, I'm like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. You know why? Why? But that was the mentality back then. Mm-hmm. You know, in the '70s, it actually has been the mentality for not just the '70s, but for some time. Mm-hmm. It's like why? Why are we doing this? You know, why are we going <laughs> and 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 you know arresting a person that is working and making a living and not really being a criminal i'm actually feeding us because i'm i eat those strawberries yeah Yeah. you know i mean it just you know and that boils down to just that individual being racist or prejudiced it it, but it was it was it was and it could have been an individual thing Mm -hmm. but i think it was more of a societal thing gotcha you know it was that was how you know things were done Mm -hmm. in those times Mm -hmm. um today we don't do things that way you know, and I say today, I mean, for, you know, you know, you know, do you, you don't have a, it's not systemic in the organization. Mm-hmm. You may have individuals in an organization that may do something like that or may think like that. And that resonates. And that resonates. That talks about good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Right. But as an organization, I don't know, uh, 
at least in California, of many organizations that are systemic like that as an organization. Mm -hmm. You may have individuals, you may have a group of individuals that that are that way, mm -hmm. which cause all of us issues. Mm -hmm. um, but but it's not you know it's not a you know if a, if a sergeant were today to say hey go out to the strawberry fields and uh, arrest the undocumented he'd be out of job. Wow. This is good to hear because I know yeah. just a few years ago with ICE kind of running around. Well, and, around. you know, and, and, and it's, you know, is it's ICE job to do that? It certainly probably is. Mm -hmm. That is their mission. That's their thing. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the mission of a local municipal police department. I'm glad you actually, okay, so that's fair. It's like that is their job. Therefore, it's justified for them to take those actions. But in, in, in essence, it still seemed pretty alarming for all of us to to, to visualize that, right? It is. Yeah. Talk about, and again, I'm not, I don't want to completely open you up here and, you know, but talk about the good cop, bad cop. I know you're a good dude. You always have been. What do you, I know you've seen bad cops. What do you, how do you all handle that? What do you, what do you? Well, I, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you that the person that hates a bad cop more than anybody is a good cop. Mm -hmm. It's just somebody like you. You know, it it uh, it it affects um, our credibility. It affects our, you know, our um, uh, right. The big you know, picture. You know, it affects our ability to be. You know, you know, and and the thing gets down to you know respect. Now, um, how do and I and I'm you know I, there may be out there somebody that says i want to be a police officer because i want to abuse other people mm -hmm. there may be some of those mm -hmm. but being the chief of police for 15 years hiring a lot of people mm -hmm. um and one of the things as the chief you know uh you, you delegate a lot of authority to to staff to deal with things and do things the one the the, the things that i never delegated was one hiring people uh, I felt that that was my responsibility as the chief of police, head of the organization. You know, and that's just because you thought it was your job, not because oh, you didn't trust that they would No, it's not that I don't trust them. I mean, because you're trusting them to do the background and yeah. do all that stuff. Yeah. But I just felt that was, you know, you know, it was my, you know, I, I felt that I needed to be connected to the community mm -hmm. to understand what the community wanted in, in, in their police department. Yeah. Uh, and I did that through, obviously, the city council through community organizations meetings and all those things mm -hmm. um to to have that you know pulse of the finger your finger on the pulse of what the the community wanted mm -hmm. and so i set the philosophy mm -hmm. of what the police department was going to be be like and so i needed to hire people that had that same philosophy if they didn't have that philosophy then you know what they weren't going to get hired mm -hmm. uh but i you know i i left hiring uh, as as 100% my responsibility, mm -hmm. promoting, you know, obviously I wanted, you know, somebody was going to get promoted. They mm -hmm. they needed to again meet that philosophy, mm -hmm. and then the 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 last part was termination, mm -hmm. uh, you which know, is not the fun part. Which is not the fun part. I mean, and, and it's never fun. Um, but my point was, I don't recall ever having or hiring a person that eventually I had to fire that were hired with, I think, the intentions of being a bad cop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Through the process, through the, the things that we are exposed to, sometimes plays into people's 
um, morality plays into their values, plays into those things maybe changing. Yeah. You know, and, and eventually they do something. And, and, and sometimes it's just a mistake, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, it, it, uh, I think somebody, and I couldn't even tell you who it was over the years, but uh, used to say, is it a mistake of the heart or a mistake of the mind? Um, mm. You know, and, you know, if it was something that, you know, that, that somebody made a mistake and it was legitimate mistake, should they be given a, uh, a second chance? Mm-hmm. If possible, they could. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, a, a mistake of the mind where they intentionally did something, you know, wrong, there's no use for them. That's and that's the issue. <laughs> Talk about the vetting process and the hiring process because I know we touched on that last time we spoke. Yeah, and I said, and again, <clears throat> I t- it gets back to you know the hardest part of becoming a police officer was getting from twelve to twenty-one with mm-hmm. the, the influences and peer pressure and all that. You know, and, and it you know, the the vetting process that we have is is obviously you know there's a you know um, a testing process. You know, there's an education process and all that. So um, you know they've they've got a understand you know and, and read write mm-hmm. you know all of those things uh make decisions you know you want a person that that i and it and it's 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 really difficult in that you want a person that can make individual decisions but you want a person that also that when the chips are down are going to follow direction mm-hmm. with know. some compassion well, it, sometimes you know you just got to follow directions. Yeah, yeah. You know that's where the that's the um, quasi-military aspect of law enforcement comes in mm-hmm. comes to play. Is that you know when the sergeant tells you to do something, you got to go do it. You're not mm-hmm. asking a question why. You got to f- assume that uh, that he knows best, and uh, and that you know he's telling you to do something for the right reason. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. you know it's uh, you know the the perfect example is. Um, you know, a sniper on a SWAT team, you know, with, a, you know, uh, an incident where you got a pro- person that's probably armed and people are in danger and somebody's going to give the order, you know, to, to shoot that person. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not questioning that order. Yeah. You know, you follow, you're doing your job. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, you, you know, you have a, the same person uh, that may be in the field handling a situation and come across a person with a gun. You know, do you want them to shoot them on sight, or do you want them to go through a a process, a checklist a, in their a head, checklist in their head? And sometimes that checklist is very quick. You know, uh, based off of you know what's going on. So all right. So then, so I, I was going to say no, but it sounds like yes, we do want somebody so to be do. able to have a mental checklist. Absolutely, just not a very long one. Well, no, you know, absolutely. I mean, it, it it's I'm circumstan- it's circumstantial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I you get know, it. And, that, and that's and again, for somebody like me, I can't even fathom. I can't even begin to even understand how all of that works. Yeah, and nor do I want to. I couldn't do that job. That's yeah. it takes a, that takes a, it's, a serious yeah. kind of person to be able to do that. You know, it's it's all circumstantial. It's all, you know, individualized. Um, you know, and and you know, and I'll give you a, a, an example. When I was a young police officer, I responded to a call of a disturbance in an alleyway, and um, uh, I get there. And there's a, a young lady and a baby. She's holding the baby, and, and she's explaining that her and her husband had gotten in a fight, and he beat her up and, and that. And um, I know we're standing in the alleyway, um, and, uh, and all of a sudden coming, you know, turned down the alley with these headlights coming at us. And they're coming fairly quick at us, you know, and 
um, and he's she's like that's my husband you know she's kind of you know say, you know she's, you know and, and this is all happening within seconds right you know it's not you know and you know that's my husband and I'm looking at it and I'm seeing it I had just enough time to push her and the baby out of the way jump out of the way myself before getting run over whoa um, it's like pull, a movie yeah yeah <laughs> it is I pull my gun out now and I'm justified in shooting him uh -huh. you know? shooting him or shooting at him well, I guess it's the same thing. You're not, yeah, you're shooting. Shoot to kill. Yeah, you're shooting at him. Yeah. You say, you know, I'm justified in shooting him or mm -hmm. shooting at him. And, you know, and, and, and like I said, and this all happens in a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to take in, okay, you know, yeah, okay, you're justified in shooting him. There's that checklist. He's, he's you know, committed a felony. Yeah. He's tried to run you over. He's tried to run his wife over. He's tried to kill his baby. He's tried to kill all three of you. Mm -hmm. Who says he's not going to go kill somebody else? Mm -hmm. You know, all of that stuff. Um, do you eliminate the threat? Mm -hmm. um, Let me ask you're you You're justified in eliminating the threat. Right. So, in any form. Yeah. So you're going through all that stuff. And, and as I was going through that, all that stuff and getting ready to shoot him, mm -hmm. um, I see in the in the background uh, a um, it was a fast food restaurant with people standing there, and I stopped. Oh, and didn't because your straight bullets, if there were any, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are those things you've got to go through. Yeah. Now, if I would have shot Adam, was I been justified? Certainly would have been. Uh, you know, interesting. Now, but you know, uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's a good example of where you had to use your better judgment. And my and my you know, my judgment was not to do it. Right. Where you still apprehend else, him? Yeah, eventually we did. We had pursuit and all that stuff. Uh huh. Uh, you know, somebody else um, may have been may have you know may have shot at him, uh -huh. shot him, and, and been justified in doing that. And or maybe so, have missed. Yeah, could have missed. Yeah. You know, this so, is very interesting. Um, I, 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 again, I apologize for interrupting. My, I've got so many things going on in my head right now. Let me ask you this. As far as sh like shoot to kill and, and shooting to disarm somebody, what's the difference and how come we don't hear about that backstory? Well, you know, you're, you're taught to, and, you don't, and you're not taught to shoot to kill. Uh -huh. You're taught to shoot to eliminate the threat. Gotcha. I mean, that's how we're taught. Okay. That, that, is, that is the... the, the the teaching and it's been the teaching for years and mm -hmm. stuff is, you know, the the public or the media or whatever says, Oh, you're shoot to kill. Well, it's not, you've never been taught to shoot to kill. You're taught to shoot to eliminate the threat. I'm glad I asked. Cause so, again, when you watch the media and you feed yourself certain things, so a, a person that, uh, that has a weapon. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he pulls that weapon out and starts to point it at you. Um, when is that? When is there a threat? The threat is when he's starting to point that weapon at you or when he's pulling that weapon or even actually when he has that weapon. Mm. So do you want to wait? I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? okay? You're standing there. You're a private citizen. You've uh, got a weapon because mm. you're uh, allowed to have a weapon. And a person comes up to you and shows that they have a weapon in their waistband, puts their hand on it, and says, give me all your money or I'm gonna kill you. Or better yet, because now you you have a choice, give them my money or do I, you know, or do I defend mm -hmm. Better yet, say, I'm, I'm gonna kill your sister. So, Wh which sister? 
I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm totally brother, kidding. friend. No, I see. I see what so, you're doing because because you know, the money so, thing didn't, wasn't going to work. This you know, one's going to work. You know, I get so, what you're saying. So it's yeah. It's, I would you know, have to kill him. To, so now, when is that threat? When he pulls the gun out and starts to point it at your sister? Yeah. Wow. Or is it when he says, "Hey, I'm going to kill your sister." Yeah. And he shows you that he's got a gun. He has the the potential. He has the reason. He's right there. Yeah. You know. So you you know. Um, uh, you know, are you going to eliminate the threat? Are you shooting him to kill him? But are you shooting him to eliminate the threat? But see, but you're asking me a couple of questions because not only what am I shooting him for, when am I going to do it? When am I taking action, right? Is it are when you? he exposes his gun? Is it when he uh, then, you know, you know, exclaims the threat? Um, and, you know, truth be told, I don't know what I would do. You know, I honestly don't know what I would do. I'm looking at my sister so, standing next to him. Yeah, so we go back to the law. Yeah. And the law says that... You have the right to defend yourself mm -hmm. or another, mm -hmm. which would be my sister, which would be your sister. You know, mm -hmm. you know, when your life, when you feel your life or that other person's life is in danger. So it's a, it's a, it's an individual thing. It really is. You know, one person may feel that their person, their life's in danger when the person pulls out the gun and points it at them. Mm -hmm. Another person may feel their life's in danger as soon as they put their hand on the gun mm -hmm. and shows it. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, it's an, it's an, and the law is, is that you have the right to defend yourself when you feel your, your life or somebody else's life is in danger. Okay. And it's a reasonable person's perspective. It's and it's not, a underlying emphasis, italic, bold, all that. It's and it's a reasonable person's perspective. Yes. It's all in that. It's all in that. It's not, it's not in a, you as a police officer's perspective, it's in a reasonable person's perspective. Okay, we talked about this before, so let's use the same opportunity because we got kind of at a, uh, a good, you know, splitting of the roads here. We talked about me getting a gun and if I should get a gun, and you asked me a couple of questions, so I'm gonna ask you again, do you think I should get a gun? Because times have changed since I saw you last. I mean, I, and I, I think that, that we all have a right to defend ourselves, all of us. Whether you're a police officer or an individual citizen, or whatever, you have a right to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. If you feel you need a gun to defend yourself, then I think, yes, you should get a gun. The question is, if you get that gun, do you have the capability of using it to defend yourself? That's it the question. back to the last story. That's, yeah, that's what you have to answer. But how do you, you're not going to know unless you're met in that moment. Unless, well, you're, unless, uh, unless that moment presents I mean, itself. Well, you, you, you need to make There's that. There's not enough you, shooting range practice targets. Yes, there can, is. Because you need to make that decision ahead of time. You uh -huh. need to make the decision that I'm going to take somebody's life. Uh -huh. that, you know, because if you're, if you're thinking about it at that moment, you've lost. Say that again. If you're, if you're in a situation and you're oh. thinking about it at that then moment. Then you're boom, you're dead. You're, you've, you've lost. You need to, you need, especially if you're going to have a gun. Yeah. You need to have made that decision ahead of time. You need to be clear with yourself. Yeah. That, that you can take another person. Now. Is that a I, psyche valve? How do you be clear with yourself? You know, well, it's, it's, and it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I've, you know, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that. You know, are, are you willing to take another person's life to defend your life or somebody else's life? The answer, the easy answer is obviously yes, right? But let's just get right down to it. I mean, if I had a gun under my seat, you know, I had that issue with that dude a few weeks ago. It's like, okay, am I going to pull my gun out? The answer is no. That's not part of my personality. But I feel like that's that, oh, I should have wrote down what you said. Gosh darn it. What did you say a moment ago? <laughs> 
Come on, read my mind. I don't know. What did you? What, when you talk, the, 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 talking about it, using better judgment, right? At oh, the you, end you, of, you need to. You, uh, it's a reasonable person's reasonable person's perspective. Perspective. Thank you, because I need to continue to circle back to that. And that—that's even for me. Am I a reasonable person in that moment? Probably not, because I'm filled with rage. Right? I'm not going to make oh, a reasonable it, it sound. It's not. It's not. It's not, are you filled with rage? It's a, what would a reasonable person do in a similar situation? Mm, reasonable. Oh, I'm stuck on that, dude. That's really got me stuck. All right. Ready for this? It's going to get really uncomfortable. But we talked about this last time. Defunding the police. Talk about what that means to you, what the definition really is, why they shouldn't have used those words to describe it, and if you agree with it or not. Well, uh, and, I'll, and I think the, uh, the analogy I will use is... Um, uh, you have a private business, mm-hmm. okay, and you're selling a product. Mm-hmm. I've got a bar. I'm selling beer and burgers. Okay, and and your product isn't working. Mm-hmm. They you don't know, like my burgers. They don't like your burgers. Are you going to defund and put less into your product, or are you going to invest more in your product to make it better? I'm giving you an honest answer. I probably would rethink my product because it's not selling, or I would put more money into it to make it better. I'd figure out what it needs to make it better. There you go. Yeah. So why are you wanting to take money away from the thing that you want to make better? So then, okay, so then this is where I'm going to challenge you because what does defund the police actually I mean? Well, I mean, it's, it's to... Because my you, understanding you, is it's like reallocating a budget you want, for... If you want to take... What I understand it is, is is taking money that we normally give to the police, a police department. Uh-huh to operate, mm-hmm. taking that money away, which could be elimination of personnel and, mm-hmm. and things like that, and reallocating that money to some other source or some mm-hmm. other fund or some other agency. Organization or, or group, right. Yeah, you know, or whatever it is. So, you know, if you're taking, if you want, but, but the reason why you're taking money away from them is because they're not doing the job you want them to do. Mm-hmm. They're not operating in the way that you want them to operate which is gets back to the product not being the, what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't you be working to make that product better mm-hmm. so that it can do the job you want it to do? Mm-hmm. Now, you may also say, okay, hey, you know what? My burger's not good, but you know what? I'm going to have fish sandwich too mm-hmm. to help make help yourselves. Well, you know what? The police department... We're gonna. We need to make it better. Mm-hmm. Give it more training so that the you know the individuals understand our needs as mm-hmm. a community. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna also create a mental health department mm-hmm. that's going to you know also assist or help or take away mm-hmm. you know from you know. And what you're describing is my understanding of what defunding the police actually means. And I curse those words because it's, it's, it's silly. Defunding the police does not describe what, uh, what the action really is supposed, what they're asking for, which is what you just described, which is, again, my understanding. It's adding a fish sandwich to the menu. Yeah. Right? We've talk about, talked about this before, and I want you to take a moment to talk about some of the, the, the things that happen with the police force where you guys are wasting your time, where somebody well, else could it's, be doing it's, that. And, and, and this, Give us some examples. Gets, let me get, let me, so the police, a police department's mission is to provide safe communities. Mm-hmm. That's our mission. You know, law and order, 
safe communities and all that. Protect and serve. Protect and serve. Yeah. That, that's our, that is our mission. That's the, the, the fundamental mission of a police department. You look up in any, any criminal justice course or anything like that, and it talks about what the fundamental organizational missions are for law enforcement. You know, is to provide safety, provide safe communities, uh, protect and order. You know, to you know, uh, to you know, alleviate crime and all that. So, what have you done to police departments? Because it's it's gets back to is who do we call? You know, it's oh, let's call the police. Yeah. So now we're dealing with you know, is being a homeless person against the law? No then why did you make it a responsibility of the police department to enforce it? Good example. Yeah, I get it. Why? Why? So why yeah, isn't is, there a is task being, force to deal with homeless people? Well, <laughs> go back to your politicians. Right. You know? Right. You know, they, you know, but, would you but, be okay if some of the money that was, uh, that was designated to the police well, force was used for no, that? I would be okay with uh, designating more money, new money to that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So why, you want, Why yeah. take away from something that, you know, we are underfunded as it is. Ah, I'm glad you said that. You know, I don't know if people know that. You know, we are under, you know. I didn't know the reason, reason why you have cops that don't understand diversity issues is one is because there's not enough money for training oh, and education, education, you know, in police department's budgets mm-hmm. to be able to, to talk about a person, you know, uh, of those things. Yeah. Either you make those as a requirements before a person even becomes a police officer and going to school, or you have to educate them, you know, as you know, as as they're in the job. Uh-huh. So you know, the other is is you know, when is mental health against the law? Uh huh. It's not. It's not. Why do you make it a police department's responsibility? Agreed. And those are the two things, biggest things that need to be sure. addressed, right? So, and the problem, the problem, and the reason why you make those more so the mental health issues uh-huh. is mental health persons are probably some of your because of the mental health issues the schizophrenia the you know you know all of those type of things that are involved are have the biggest threat mm-hmm. so do you send somebody that has the training to be able to deal with a threat mm-hmm. like that you know the you know and not just the the use of deadly force training but you know all the other hand-to-hand combat, all the other things that, or do you send somebody that has no training, mm-hmm. or do you send somebody that has no training to deal with that, and then you got to also send a police officer to pay, protect that person while they're trying to deal with it. I get what you're saying. You know, those are those are those are, should be the questions we're asking. Those should be the discussions that we're having. I want to clarify something, and this is important. So what you basically said was that the police majority of police forces, or at least the ones you're referring to, are already underfunded. So what you're proposing is a request for more money to be able to be put forth towards mental health, homelessness, and other... And, and we have. Uh-huh. You know, you know, we, we, you know... We've done that in, in Cathedral City, you know, when I was the, the mayor. You know, we, we added funding mm-hmm. to have two police officers work with the homeless to work with social services and and those things as a as a joint task force as a joint thing and it worked to, it's it, no it, it's working got it yeah you know it yeah. hasn't has it solved the problem no is it working yes you know um you know but is it necessarily a police department's responsibility? We've made it a police department's responsibility because they're out there. Mm-hmm. Was that your brainchild? Was that your idea? To- no, no, it was. I mean, it's just, it was just kind of, 
I mean, we've always dealt with it. Yeah. You know, we just, you know, as, as we went through a recession and we've gone through, you know, things where there are more homeless and where are there more issues, uh-huh. you know, we've, you know, we've had to add more resources to deal with those uh-huh. things. Yeah. So, you know, it, uh, you know, you know, we, we added more, you know, more money, I know, yeah. to the tune, I think at one, at the time, and it may even be more than that now, over, I think over a million dollars wow. just to deal with a homeless issue. And you is think people know this? I hope they do. <laughs> I don't think they do. You know, and look at, you know, you know, LAPD has had homeless officers for years. I mean, you know, I should say, you know, they're dealing with a the task same force. Yeah. yeah. You know, we as a as a local community, Coachella Valley, you know, through CVAG, Coachella Valley Association of Governments, we put together a multifacet program to deal with the homeless. Yeah. Housing, mm-hmm. you know, um, health care, social services. And the the you know the enforcement segment was obviously the police department. Mm-hmm. So they work all of that. You know, a police officer comes upon a person that's a homeless person, and they want to have housing. We have the ability to offer that now. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's over. You know, uh, you know, and that's been you know uh, several years that's been happening, and we're paying millions of dollars as a as a local area mm-hmm. Coachella Valley mm-hmm. for those services mm-hmm. is it uh, the finalization is it the handling I mean, do we still have homeless we certainly do yeah some of that is is you've got people that don't want to live by your my standard yeah whether that be you know you know I want to say civilly, right? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's... That's kind of a lack of better words. You know, and, and I, I uh, give you an example. You know, again, a long time ago, uh, I was a sergeant working patrol uh, here in, Cath- in Cathedral City when mm-hmm. we had date groves and stuff like that in Cathedral City. And I remember one night driving down the street and seeing like a flickering of a light in, in an old abandoned trailer out in the middle of a date grove. I'm like, shit, man, is that thing on fire? You know, you know, that was kind of my first thought. So I stop, I get out, and I go walking through the date groves there. And there's a, a homeless person, transient. And I shouldn't actually call him a homeless person. A transient is our standards of a person living in this trailer. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he you know, I spent time talking to him. It actually, you know, over time, I'd seen him a couple of times because he was living out in this trailer uh, and that. And he had a like a doctorate degree in physics and just decided to be, you know, you know, be a hobo, be off the, you know, off the grid. Yeah. You know, type thing. Um, and that was, you know, you know, that was, you know, he, that was the standard he was living by, Uh huh. you know, um, a genius essentially. Right. Yeah. You know, I I mean, so we have some people that that's what they want to live by. Yeah. You know, we, um, we, you know, look at them and say, okay, you know, uh, is that a standard we want to live by? Mm-hmm. Uh, decision I make, no. Yeah. You know, a decision they make, you know, and sometimes they live by those standards because of mental health issues, mm-hmm. because of drugs, because mm-hmm. of alcohol, because of other things that... Usually you know, mental health. Usually mental right? health. You know, I would say the, <laughs> the ma- you know, the majority is mental health and and um, and drug abuse, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. co- you know those that I should say the majority of those that don't want help. And I say help; they don't want the social services, yeah. they don't want the housing, they don't yeah. want those things. 
because you know when you come to those standards you have to live by certain rules. Mm-hmm. We all live by those you rules. You gotta follow the rules, yeah. You gotta follow the rules. They don't want to follow those rules. Mm-hmm. So they choose not to accept the help. Yeah, which yeah. Which means that we now deal, have to deal with them. And it's uh, it's hard to see, especially uh, driving down through downtown Palm Springs in 119 degree weather when you're seeing these people kind of, uh, you know, fight for survival. But it's interesting because a lot of people don't want the help. And I, I've witnessed that too many but times. The, but firsthand. you know, you said it's, you know, it's 119 degrees and it's, Fight for survival. You know, there's there's cooling stations, there's housing, there's things. For and, and I don't want to get into the reasons for, mm-hmm. but they're making a choice still no, to right. be you know on that curb. It's true. In 119 degrees it's true. weather. There's a woman over at Sunny Dunes by KFC, and I see her often. And I'm always like, hey, you want some water? And she's very pleasant. And she's like, nope. And she's very direct and very a lot of pride. No, I don't want to think from you. She smiles, but she's sitting there living out of a basket. I'm like, all right, everybody makes choices. Um, let's play a game. You ready? <laughs> okay. It's called a yay or nay. All right. I'm Uh-oh. just going to start throwing some things out at you. You can say yay or nay. All right. You ready for this? I think so. Julie Henry. Yay or nay? Yay. Yay. Kim Kardashian. Nay. <laughs> she's laughing over there. Doctor Fauci. Uh, yay. Yay, all right. COVID-19? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Conspiracy theories? No. Stephen King? A great author. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portland, Oregon right now? That's really not a yay or a nay. That's just, that's a, that's a, that's an issue. It's, it's, Portland, Oregon right now crazy is a, um, uh, what's the term I want to use? Chaos. Yeah. Because nobody, nobody, nobody wants to, to, um, you, there's, it gets back to those individual agendas mm-hmm. and everybody is looking out for their own individual agenda. The politicians, they don't want to do certain things because they don't want to upset these people, you know, the, you know, or there's, there's nobody willing to stand for what's what's right i mean it's mayhem it seems like the point right the I mean, cause it is, is now got, gone, it right? has gotten away from the reason why people protest in the yeah, first the place. cause right we've lost the cause you know, it's you know would would you protest yeah you're not yes okay would i what i mean we didn't see that's the thing is we have a first amendment right mm-hmm. to freedom of speech mm-hmm. you know i i you know i i used to tell people all the time and say, oh, well, you know, you don't, you know, this and that. And I said, my whole life, my whole adult life, I've been a, I was a police officer when I was 21 years old. Oh, you're a kid. I was a kid. I mean, I didn't know a shit, mm-hmm. you know, but I was a police officer at 21 years old. My whole adult life, I have defended other people's rights. Mm. That's my job. Mm. Whether I agree with them or not, you know, I, that is, you know, that was our, my job was to defend their rights. That's so whether deep. you, you say something I don't like, mm-hmm. you call me a name, whatever, if I take you into custody for what, something that you've done wrong, I still have to defend your rights. I mean, you know, what do we want done with the mass murderer? We want justice. Do you want justice or do you want the guy gone? What's justice? Uh, ah, that's, that's another conversation. I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily believe in the death penalty, I think. I mean, no, I, I'm just saying, but it's, but. I want him but, gone off the streets and rotting in, under the jail. 
Okay. I want him to have 300 life sentences so he could sit and think about all the shit he did by okay. himself and okay. rot, you know? Okay. But I don't necessarily oppose a death penalty. It's just not, if I was a judge, that's not something I would give to, I, yeah. I believe in get, to get stuck in your head. I'm you just know. saying, it's, you know, you know, so, you know, it's, you know, you have people that, you know, that want him dead, mm -hmm. but it's our job to defend him mm -hmm. because we, he has rights, like yeah. you just said. And due process. And due process. Yeah. So, you know, that is, that's, you know, that, and that's, you know, where, where I would say the majority of police officers come from. And there's a lot of mentality that we as civilians don't know. We don't understand that stuff. I mean, the fact that you said that uh, you to defend my rights, I wouldn't have never guessed that. Uh, maybe getting pulled over and thinking that in that moment, I don't think you're there to defend my rights. Maybe if I had known that or kept that in my head. Actually, I am there. I'm defending your right to live. Because by you speeding, by maybe I wasn't speeding or smoking, <laughs> ah, sorry, or smoking. <laughs> drinking. Okay, enough. Yeah. Cut, cut, cut. You're funny. Um, I don't want to wrap this up just yet, but I got a couple of things to, just to shoot at you before we get to some more stuff. But um, I asked you yay or nay to protest, and you said yay. I don't think that a lot of people would have expected that response from you or somebody working in the police force, but I'm glad that you attached to the, the fact that it is our right as an, as an American citizen to get out and is speak Is it your right to vandalize? Is it no. your right to no. to loot? Is it your right to I don't agree with hurt that. other people? No. no, no. But it is your right to have freedom of, of speech. Mm -hmm. And if that freedom of speech means to to protest then yeah you have that right why are we seeing excessive force is it just and i know that's a loaded question and i don't want to use i don't want to cherry pick situations but it seems like is it cops being frustrated is it they're being trained to use excessive force uh, well I, I guess the first it's a tough question you know is is you're going to have to explain what you know an isolated incident. Well, what excessive force is? Well, like you see a lot of people who are protesting and they're standing and they're being like they're just standing and they're being sprayed with like uh, pepper or tear gas or because, something. Because well, you got to lead up to that, right? To and where it's where it is, this protest has now gone from a legitimate mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. to a illegal assembly, mm. and now you're being told this is no longer. Le, you know, a, a legal assembly. This mm -hmm. is now a legal assembly. Mm -hmm. You must disperse. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so, how do we get people disperse out. people? Yeah. So you're not. You're telling me that you don't want me to push somebody. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that you don't want me to use my baton. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that you don't want me to do any of these those other things. Mm -hmm. So how do I get you to disperse? Mm -hmm. What are you left with? Yeah. What am I left with? All right. I'm left with using tear gas. Mm -hmm. And then you say tear gas. It's pepper spray. Okay. Non-lethal. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing you'd use on a dog or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. It's pepper mm -hmm. spray. So, you know, um, you know, you, so, you know, the, the next question is, is when does this go from, you know, you know, there, you know, even, even in freedom of speech, you have limitations and you have a process that we have to follow. Yeah. You know, you've got to go through, a, you know, you've got, and the, and the Constitution even sets that up. You know, you've got a process you've got to follow. Mm -hmm. So when you've overstepped those boundaries is when we have had to, uh, to we, law enforcement. Have to use excessive force. No, we're not using excessive. We have to use, gotcha. um, we have to use, 
ways to disperse that illegal or unlawful assembly. Well, then what is excessive force? Because maybe I'm using the wrong vernacular. So uh, excessive force. Or is it the George Floyd thing? Was that excessive force? uh, You know what? People say it was. It does not look right. It does not look good. Um, We don't know what was going through his mind. We don't know what all, you know, you know, the, the thing in the media, you just get, you get clips mm-hmm. of stuff. You know, him, you know, um, with his, with, you know, his, his kneeling on this guy for eight minutes uh, on his throat, um, was that legitimate? Was it not? Doesn't look right. Doesn't look good. We don't know what's going on. There's, a, there's several things that come into play, you know, of why you would hold somebody down. Not saying that, that that was legitimate. Not saying that that's right. I'm just saying that you know that you've got excited delirium, you know you've got um, positional asphyxiation. You've got all these different things that, as a police officer, you should uh, know about uh, on dealing with people that are in a heightened, you know, um, um, state of mind. You know, excited delirium is when you hear those stories about like the naked guy who's on PCP, like lifting cars and shit. Yeah, right. Okay, you've got that. But it, but they don't have to be on PCP. And they don't have just, to be naked either. But. They don't have to be. Naked. It's just the adrenaline in your body. <laughs> just hope they are. You know, yeah. It's just the adrenaline in your body is going to cause different things, and yeah. it, and you get too much of that adrenaline pumping, mm-hmm. and what it what it has the potential of doing is exploding the heart, mm-hmm. or you know. Um, we're also not making you think right. It doesn't make you think right. I don't want to do this to you. I already know the answer. But if you were that dude, you, would you have? How would you have handled that situation? Uh, yeah. <laughs> how would I have handled it? I mean, um, at at from what you see, he was not at that point you know, for those eight. They say those eight minutes, and like I said, we're only getting bits and pieces and stuff for those eight minutes. So what you are seeing is is that, you know, should he have been holding him down at that point? Probably not. And I, I say that probably not because I don't know what had occurred to the point to where, you know, what is he waiting for? Did they just get in a fight? Did they just struggle? Now you do see some other clips of them trying to put him in the back of a police car and he's resisting that, you know. One of the things, you know, when you meet resistance, one of the best ways is to eliminate that resistance is to, you know, lay a person down on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, control the, their extremities, handcuffs, you know, the, all those type of things so that you, you know, again, you have the right to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a police officer or an individual or whatever, if somebody is, is resisting, you know, we have the right to use whatever f- we have. And that gets back to your excessive force. We have the right to use whatever force to overcome that resistance. Mm-hmm. Once the resistance has stopped, if you are still using some type of force, then that probably is excessive force. Did, is that what you? Is it? Because I think because I think law. that's what people are saying that they saw. Right. That's it. Seemed well, like he was well, already kind of apprehended. He he appeared to be apprehended. You know, or was he waiting to be able to get another per, another two people there or something like that to be able to put him in that car? I don't know. I don't. I mean, and I'm not making excuses for the guy, and I don't right. want to make excuses for the guy. And I don't the want you to talk about things you don't comfortable with or make. The appearance, I don't the appearance paper, you know. does not look good. Right. You know. Well, no, almost it, ten minutes. You know, it doesn't. You know? It doesn't look good. Why? You know, could they have set him up 
I don't understand how somebody could try to justify what was happening from what they saw from the video. And that's it's, why I asked that, you, because does, if anybody could, not, it would be you. And that you does know? not, it does not look good. Right. Should he be leaning on the guy with no resistance for eight minutes? No. Mm -hmm. Right. My opinion. And that's no. why I asked, because I know you, and I know yeah. that if you handled that, it would not, it would have went down completely differently. You know, uh, you know, he shouldn't, you know, once the resistance stopped, there's no reason to have any other force. Mm -hmm. Now, should they have, you know, set him up or let him just lay and say, hey, okay, you know what? You're going to lay here until we get a paddy wagon. Yeah. So don't, you know, if you resist, then we're going to put a knee back on your back. Right, right. Or we're going to, you know, hog tie you or we're going to do whatever. And that's what you would have done. We probably would have. Right. Yeah. You know, for him to, you know, you know, do you have, do you, do you need to also, um, you know, um, defend against an escape and stuff? You certainly do. Yeah. Yeah, so. And that's why I love having you here is because this is the side of the stories, not just this one, but in general, that people, we don't know what we don't know. You know, and I know that I've, I've got cops that I've known and loved for years. My mother dated a cop growing up. I've got good friends who are police. And you got, there's a lot of good people out there with beautiful intentions, and we need to hear this voice, right? Don't you agree over there, the audience members back there? Um, do you have, I'm going to, now this is, again, because you're following me as I'm taking all kind of fucking turns, right? Pardon my French. Do you have hope? Right, with everything that we're going through, oh, yeah. this this the, crazy the, the, times, the 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 pendulum always swings. Mm. You know, you know, societal pendulum swings, and 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 we are we are at a point where it's 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 pretty liberal right now. Okay. It's pretty out there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but will um, um, will it will it adjust itself? It will. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's gonna, and it'll, like I said, it'll adjust itself somewhere, somewhere as it, as it, you know, we, we've gone from, you know, from, um, you know, uh, to, you know, from one area to where we are uh, more, you know, more um, conservative to areas where we're more liberal. Yeah. And like I said, that, that pendulum will swing. So and have you will, seen this before will, in your in your well, life? We went through the riots in the '60s. Uh -huh. We went through the demonst college the demonstrations yeah. in the '70s. You know, you know Vietnam. We went through. You know, we've we, you know yeah. I mean, we've we've had these 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 things. You know, we've had you know all of those things. What needs to change to make to not have these things happen? People quit having their own personal agendas mm -hmm. and look out for what's the 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 betterment of the the good of all mm -hmm. you know yeah um take you know, be selfless take yeah, care of other people you know, it's it's you know it's you know and 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 i but i can see not that i agree with but i can see why somebody would would push your personal agenda mm -hmm. if somebody is is oppressed mm -hmm. and they're oppressed and they're oppressed and they're oppressed and all of a sudden they have an opportunity a window opens they have an opportunity to to change that oppression. Mm -hmm. Do they take it? Sure, they take it. Now, do they sometimes because they want to gain so much more take it and overstep it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. So we're seeing a lot of that today. We are seeing a lot of that yeah, today. I get that. We, we've gone to we've gone from what the the, the reasons for the protest to you know what legitimate reason is there to loot somebody's business 
in a protest. Mm -hmm. You know, what legitimate reason is there to burn down a building or destroy a police car or a person driving down the street's mm -hmm. car or person in a protest? Mm -hmm. There's no legitimate reason. It's, it's, you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to, to, again, myself put, um, you know, my, you know, wrap around what this is. But again, it's, you know, you have a person or persons that are oppressed for whatever reason, see an opportunity, take it too far. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it over and we saw it in the Watts riots, mm -hmm. you know. Why did Reginald Jenny, Reginald Denny, Denny? There you go. I was uh, like the restaurant. Yeah. Why did Why did he get pulled out of his truck and beat? Yeah. Did that help their cause? What was the cause? Well, I, I think it was oppression. Yeah. You know, I think there was. I think there was oppression. Mm -hmm. You know, there. You know, I think, and I think that was. You know, if you look at it, and if you talk to, to. Um, um, you know, persons, uh, you know, of color at that time mm -hmm. um, that looked to make change, you know, I think that there was some oppression. And so they wanted to make change. But you have a group of individuals that took it too far. And did that help their cause or did that hurt their cause? Well, definitely hurt their cause. There's no doubt about okay. that. Let's so, move, let's, so let me what's happening today in, 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 or in Portland? Well, let me jump to today as far as rioting and demonstrators and protesters. Are you saying that there's more diverse? Because when we look at the 90s and look at those, the, probably maybe some of the footage, seeing a lot of black folks. Now you're seeing a lot of people of all different races rioting and looting and protesting. Is What do you think about that? I think I think it's... it's. I mean, am I crazy or is it... Well, no, I, no, I think you're right. Um, I think that what you're... What, there's a couple of, of um, reasons for it. Mm -hmm. One is we have a... A generation um, that, for whatever reasons, hasn't been told no. Well, you've got kids in that generation. I certainly do. You have you told your kids no? I've tried to. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, uh, if you ask them, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That'd be interesting to have one of them say, "Come on here." And I'd love that. Actually, yeah, I don't. I don't think you'd get it. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I you know. You know, and I've I've always tried to tell them, is that there is always a a um, um, God, I just lost the word I wanted. Um, uh, there's always a a. Um, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Don't look at her. She's she's, she's not in your head. I know she's not. It's a, well, yes, she is. She's in my head more. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, Talking about millennials um, and saying no yeah, and entitlement. There's, there's a, yeah, entitlement. There's, 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 a, um, I, I want to say outcome, but there's, that's not the word I want. It's, mm -hmm. it's repercussions. There's always a repercussion. To that was the word? Do. There you go. Holy crap. She... There's, there's, there's a repercussion to everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, we, we've, We've raised a generation of kids that don't understand those repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, part, and I'm not saying that is the only reason. I think this COVID-19 is an issue. Yeah. Because you have people that have been, they're not, they're, they've been taken from work. Mm -hmm. 
They've been um, sequestered, yeah. scooped up, mm-hmm. and they have time and freedoms on their hands. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, what do we want to do today? Well, let's go down to whatever because this is what's happening. A friend of mine's son did that. Yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got the perfect storm of yeah. bad happening. Yeah. we got too much free time on your hand. So ask, so before we wrap it up, I want you to ask, ask me a question. Do you have any questions for me? Probably not, but figure something out. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't come prepared to ask questions. I'm I guess. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So yeah. Okay. You know, um, you've you've had uh, a experience recently with a, a person that has been, will term racist and the comments that he's made. Uh huh. You know, um, what what would you see or want done? Hmm. Talk about a loaded question. Well, a bit of backstory. Some of the loyal listeners may have learned this, but yeah, I was called a fucking nigger by uh, uh, a road rager a few weeks ago. What would I want done? Really easy answer, and I'm sure I'll get some backlash from this, but when I posted it on Facebook, I basically said, if you see this guy, have a sit down with him. So kind of similar to what we're doing with this podcast is I would just hope that like somebody could have a sit down with him and maybe change his mind a little bit and say, A, like, A, that was stupid. B, next, you, you do that to the wrong person, you're, you might not survive it. And C, kind of get in his head and try to create some change from that situation instead of just responding the way a lot of people do, which is out of anger, because that doesn't solve anything. No. If I respond with anger, then we're both angry, and then there we go. At least I can try to provoke some sort of change by encouraging people to have dialogue with him. So that's my answer. That's what I would have want done. Um, as far as any kind of, uh, there is nothing you can do legally, right? No, I learned no. that. And no, I would just want him to, I would want somebody to sit down with him. I'd want his mom. There's my final answer. I would want his mom to have seen that post, flipped out, called her son and said, get home now, we have to have a talk. Because you need to live like your mom's always watching. We all fuck up, but... How was that for an answer? Yeah. I've had a lot of coffee today. But, Stan, uh, so. but see, but you know, your answer is right on mm. because that's what we should be doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, you, you get back to these demonstrations and all that is you've got anger, which, you know, and anger and anger. nobody, and nobody is talking. Yeah. There's nothing productive is coming from any so, of it. So, you know, we need to set down, mm-hmm. put the agendas away. Mm-hmm. And say, okay, how can we move forward and better society? So you liked my answer. That was the right answer. I do. I think, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's how do we, you know, you know, because because you know, you don't know where that person's coming from. You don't know why, you know, why he said what he said. Right. And there could be you infinite know, reasons you know, as to why. My my question to him would be is why? Why'd you say that? Well, I pissed him off. Yeah, but but why did you use those terms? Yeah. Do you know what happened? What we were road raging, right? And I and I did not it's something new that I've done because I've been meditating and like doing all this great shit. So like, he was road raging on me, right? I trying to cut me off and I wouldn't let him. So eventually, I turned right and he had his window rolled down for me to roll down and fuck you and all that. And I didn't even look at him. I just turned right. That pissed him off even more. So that's when he pulled up next to me, right? And then I was like, okay, I've got two options. I can hop out of my car or I can stay seated and roll the window down. So I rolled the window down. I said, hey, it's all love, brother. It's all love. And that made him even more mad. The fact that I was like, what's, what's, hey. So you caused it by, by jacking him up. Correct. 
It's true. No, because I no, he, you're actually you're making a joke, but it's true. I knew exactly what I was doing, and I knew I was pissing him off by just being like, "It's all love, brother. It's all love." And I was looking at his car, kind of funky, because you know what I drive, and I was like, "Yo, like, what's good? Like, I'm looking like king of the road," and I'm it's all love, and that set his hair on fire. So I could have handled that differently, and that's when he said "fucking nigger," and then I and he pulled away. So then I got and took a picture of his car, all that. But the person I was with jumped out of the car and ran towards him, and I had to get out of my car and said, "Hey, get your ass back in the car." And he almost got emotional. He was so, my white friend, he was so freaked out by oh, what yeah. he had witnessed. He was like, he was shaking. And I was like, A, calm down. B, welcome to the life of a, a man of color. And C, you can't respond that way, dude. You can't let but, that fool but, take your fucking energy. But we do. Fuck people that. Do. I, I'm just saying, but people do. You're right, they do. You know, they and, do. And, and, that's, and that's where every we're day. at. That's where we're at. But you're tested every day. And Absolutely. it's important to you make are. sure in that moment that you take a deep breath and think about the right thing to do. Absolutely. I'm not giving some stranger my energy. You know, I'm not, Dude, I work in, you know, you know what I do for work. I'm not letting some stranger jeopardize everything I've worked for. I could get out of that car, hit him the wrong way. He could bust his head on the on the the curb and die. You know, there's infinite things. I'm not. It's not worth it to me. If you want to call me a fucking nigger, that's your issue. Okay, those are your anger, your words, your stuff that you have to deal with. Yep. <laughs> it's oh, 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 oh. Just kidding. I'm so glad that you came back. This was. Do you think this was better than the first one? They're just different. <laughs> was i mean we touched on a lot of the same issues and, and things and i and i think that's that's good um it was good i really appreciate yeah. you letting me ask you some interesting and kind of odd and hard questions to answer and i think that this again is a perspective that people need to hear and i really wanted it to come from you because you're just such a solid dude um before we say goodbye we always like to ask guests if they have any solutions that they can offer listeners we did this last time is there anything you can think of that people could you maybe know, do I, I i think that um that what what people need to do is is um, understand that we all have different upbringings. We all come from different perspectives. None of them are right. None of them are wrong. They're different, mm -hmm. and that you know you have to have dialogue to understand what those are, so that you can come up with ways to make change. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're always changing. Society's changing. Like mm -hmm. I said, that's that pendulum's going back and forth and swinging and stuff. You know, the way we policed in the 70s and is not the way we police in 2020, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it shouldn't be, you know, uh, you know, and, but, but you have to have, you know, dialogue, um, to be able to make those changes. You have to, understand where that other person is coming from and where they have come you know uh, a black person you know living in the south in the 60s has a complete different perspective on things than myself coming from los alamitos orange county mm -hmm. in the 60s yeah you know my life was completely different than somebody else's mm -hmm. and uh, not that that either one is right or wrong mm -hmm. they're different and you know incredibly different uh, yeah you know do we both have something to offer we certainly do mm -hmm. and um, a lot of things in common too and probably have a lot of things in common find out and focus on those commonalities and then look at where you can use those commonalities to make change that's i love we, it that's what we need to do create dialogue find those commonalities and then use those commonalities to create change i love that that's what we're looking for here 
There it is, guys. I'm making a note for that. Again, create dialogue. Talk to somebody who's different than, from you. Find some commonalities, which is not hard because I like pizza. Do you like pizza? Yeah. Boom. But I don't like the same pizza you like. How do you know? I'm just making that assumption. What kind of pizza do you like? Pepperoni. All right. Well, I'm more of a combination guy. You were See, right. You got lucky. You got lucky. Um, I love this. And create change. Well, that's what we do here. Do your part. Stan Henry did his part by being here today. Again, thanks for being here. Certainly. All right, guys. We love you. Take care of yourselves and each other. That's a wrap. We will see you soon. I am absolutely confident that you continue to do your part. Thank you for listening to another episode of Do Your Part. I work at staying awake. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Stay connected with Brian Gallo through social media at Do Your Part Podcast or visit doyourpartpodcast.com. <laughs>